Hello, you're sitting in Common Rat with me, a podcast for fans, experts, and newcomers alike that's all about Tokusatsu. I'm James Dorrington. You can call me Kip, and I'm your expert. This week, we, we look at Mighty Wolf from Alien Rangers and Kaku Ranger. It's Morphin Time! Hello, everyone, and you are here for another episode of Cobb Ride with me. And today, my guest is the illustrious Pocky Squirrel. Hello. Hi. Happy to be here. We are very happy to have you. And um, so we are here uh, because um, you are also from the um, the podcast, like the um, Toku Space. And like I um, first learned about you from uh, the uh, Toku Ladies podcast. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been doing the show for, oh, gosh something to the tune of five years now which seems absolutely insane when i stop and think about it yeah and um it's a great show because like um you're trying to look at a fandom that like um sometimes doesn't like to be looked at critically (laughs) and that's always (laughs) interesting yeah you know and and i like to think that we balance the criticism with uh with enthusiasm as well you know we're we're all there because we we love toku and we love the toku community and we we just got kind of frustrated with seeing like the same voices in the fandom represented over and over and over again and you know some some concerns that the rest of us had just not being heard but mostly you know we're we're there to have fun fandom is supposed to be fun yeah totally cuz like um the like this is like a very bigger than a lot of people realize like genre of stuff that like there's lots of different things that like do cater to different tastes but also like yeah there needs to be like a space in like any fandom for like different people to feel like they can like be a part of it and like talk about it because like as much as like on this show like we've enjoyed like a lot of like we've like looked at like we definitely have points where like hey (laughs) that wasn't the best or that could be like improved upon or why would you do that in the first place like towards lots of things yeah and i i and i think that the uh that the toku fandom lends itself really well to that kind of uh diversity of of opinion and preference too because there's just there's so much out there i mean i here i am on a common rider podcast to talk about power rangers if that doesn't say something i don't know what does uh yeah uh, that partially says uh that um we were on hiatus and wanted to like do something but also yeah like we want to have the space for like different stuff and i think um what we've always said is hey if you're like somebody who likes this and you're like reticent to looking at it in different ways like it's not like anything meant to tear it down at all like when i'm talking about like hey uh kind of weird that like there's a really cool message about like labor and humanity in the comrade zero one like that's not me saying that it's a bad show or that you can't enjoy it the way you are yeah, and, and that's one of the things that I really value about being part of the fandom as well, is that there are so many different ways in which to look at and and take away from these different stories. There is some effort sometimes to like say, well, um, like you shouldn't look at these stories or like that, because they're um there's both people that want to take it super seriously and not realize that like a lot of the stuff is aimed at like a younger audience, and there's people that like are like since it's aimed at a younger audience like you can't look at it critically but also it's like 
and how much effort do you spend talking about like Star Wars or Marvel movies that are also kind of aimed to like be friendly to and like to like sell things to like that same like younger audience but like there's like a much more critical thought like out there and like there's like much more like queer fandom there and like that kind of stuff absolutely and and i think that there's room to do both you know you can you can take a story and you can take a show at uh, at face value and and the face value of it is to sell toys to children but there's you know there's also some decisions whether whether consciously or or semi-consciously made by the creators of these things that lead to some really interesting stuff that that resonates obviously with fans of all ages or we wouldn't be here yeah and i think like it's um an interesting point in the fandom because like i kind of started the show because we were entering the into the um into the Raywa era but also <laughs> like it seems like there's also the big push to like bring a lot of the stuff like to the west like what common riders doing like what ultraman's doing and it's like a really interesting time because like things are gonna drastically change in the next few years in the space i'm excited about what's happening i i think that the more different perspectives we can bring into a fandom the better you know gatekeeping helps no one yeah it really doesn't and like um i do definitely try to juggle where i spend my attention on the space because like if you spend like um too much time in like certain places like i remember um like i was like trying to find cool fan art on like reddit and then there was somebody that said why are there no women that like common rider and i was like oh <laughs> i i think you just maybe aren't looking with your eyes open or looking in the right places or or they're consciously avoiding you because reasons yeah uh and you, you for example are a very big fan of Kamrata Kuga. That doesn't fit like the mold of like what somebody who like has like a limited perspective might think of like, oh, it's not like it's not like cutie honey. Like, like it's like a yeah, like major show that's like just like appealing to you the same way it would other people, but like it is definitely like there are like some bits of like the fandom as it gets bigger that are like still stuck in like a very like two thousand eight like forum mentality, which can, can be rough sometimes. Yeah. And and you know, and I think that we all uh bring a different lens and a different ability to enjoy you know based on our own lived experiences and our preferences and our favorite tropes and even even something like kuga that is i think judged by some segments of the common rider fandom as being a pretty hardcore show is is also the show that's notorious for having gotten the mom demographic interested in common rider you know we we have the odagiri effect for a reason <laughs> look at that man and his mole and his I feel like um, there was a point where, like, I felt like um, the Kamen Rider fandom discords definitely changed, where, like, I started to hear the word, like, himbo a lot. Like, I started to realize that, yeah, I kind of ship a lot of these, like, these, like, two dudes together a lot stronger than, like, a lot of the, um, like, hetero or, like, canon ships, like, as well. Like, it's just like, oh, yeah, this kind of makes sense here. Like, that definitely changed in the past couple years for me. And, like, I think, um, like, having places like tumblr and like twitter like have definitely helped that too mm -hmm. yeah the the voice of the fandom definitely sounds different depending on where you're listening to it and who's there it's always like a conscious choice to uh where you spend your time and like i um like wanted to know actually um how did you get into toku and like what are like some of your favorite like um shows and franchises uh you know it's it's been a very long very very 
winding road to get me to the place that I am in in Toku fandom right now. Um, I I started off as I, I think a lot of us did with Power Rangers in my childhood. I was I was something of a uh, Power Rangers super fan as a kid. Um, and fell out of it as as I got a little bit older, um, came back into it in adulthood, met a lot of my best friends there. And by that time, there was uh, more accessibility and more availability of other Toku content through the Internet and the Power Rangers fandom, you know, particularly when uh, RPM ended and we weren't even sure mm. that we were ever going to get new Power Rangers again started branching out and people were watching Sentai and people were watching Kamen Rider. And as my friends got interested in more of these shows, um, I guess I kind of came down with a case of uh, fear of missing out. And I started watching Sentai and from Sentai, I got curious about Kamen Rider and I started watching Kamen Rider. And when I found Kuga, it was just like, all bets are off. Okay, this fandom owns my soul now. Let me just throw myself into the deep end of the pool head first and buy all the merchandise and watch all the shows and check out other franchises, check out Ultraman, check out Garo. And, and now here I am. Yeah. Now here you are. And like, it's always like weird to hear like what somebody's like first post power Rangers, like Toku was for you. What was that again? Uh, my my co-host on Toku Ladies, uh, second Batgirl, invited me to her house, gave me a bunch of alcohol, and told me to watch Go Kaiger with her. And and, okay. and that was my first. That was my first Sentai and my first foray into non-American Toku. My greatest memory of Go Kaiger is that one episode where um oh, we're there like talking about like when they're when Marvelous and like Basco were like in the red pirates and like there's this scene where basco just rounds a corner with a silver platter piled high with like spaghetti and <laughs> that's just like uh one of those things that i'll just always like think to and be like oh that that's that's great that's perfect that is everything i love about this it's like this like slice of life moment on the ship that's meant to show their camaraderie and they're just like supposed to be eating dinner. But then here's Akka Red standing around in his suit and you're wondering like, wait a minute, is he going to eat through the helmet? Does he eat? What is he? <laughs> I I love when the show just like do go for it. Um, I kind of feel like um like sometimes like I like got into Toku like post Power Rangers a lot earlier. And like some people because like I started like around the time that um come right like kabuto is airing so oh, yeah yeah like i like have like fond memories of like shows like rukendo and stuff that like a lot of people like never talk about yeah i've been i've been starting to go there recently um i just started watching grand caesar and it's been amazing so far yeah because that's um like the one that has like 12 different heroes and like three or four teams right and they all yep. have like yeah four teams of three giant robots really cool henshin devices one thing I like about like the like mid two thousand shows is that like it's kind of the wild west in a way that you wouldn't expect, where it's just like we just did something, <laughs> like something just came out, and we didn't care about like the theme or the writers, and like a lot of like the first like seven or so like seasons of like Hey Say Writer, for example, are just like drastically weird and like moody shows too, where it's just like oh I don't quite get how this happened as a show to sell toys to six-year-olds but also it's great yeah yeah very 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 experimental very weird kind of atmospheric and dark in a, in a way that you wouldn't expect um especially considering where 
Kamen Rider had come from before that and where it went after. It's a, it's a neat era. I think it's probably my favorite era of Kamen Rider, all told. Yeah, for me, probably like um, from like Kuga to like the director change in like Hibiki. Like that's probably just like completely like the best best run that's like probably been had unless like there's like somebody that like really knows about 1973 to 19 like 84 something that like i don't know about but like you know like that's just like uh what i call just like everything's so different and weird in, in the best ways yeah i'm I'm trying to become that person who knows things about the show era but i'm not there yet it, it's just a little hard sometimes you're like I, I just it takes a lot of time and like there's so much it's very dense like once in a while like you'll see somebody posting like, oh, like you have to watch like episode 68 of a Kamen Rider like V3 to see this cool scene where this like person melts and they use practical effects for it. And like, you're like, that sounds awesome. But also like you have watched like 34 hours of like, I'm not sure like where my time comes in. Also episodic in that era anyways, that you can watch any of it out of context and, and it probably will make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, there's like, um, a weird space in the fandom too where you're like who's looking at like um like the um fushigi comedy hour stuff and like keeping that in our minds and like hearts like there's so much stuff that like before like the internet age just a lot of people haven't seen or like don't know about before kuka like i feel like a lot of like the records like outside of like stuff like sentai are like very limited like there's like very little like discussion you know yeah, there there doesn't seem to be as much focus on uh, on a lot of the older stuff, to be sure. But I, I think that that's changing, especially as some of the older shows get remastered or get official subtitles or both and just become more accessible to the fandom as it is today. I strongly like believe that um, we're about to see Ultraman blow up like in a serious way between um, making Ultraman Z subbed on youtube between like the comic and the anime and them getting like those rights back and their deal with the crunchy roll they're about to like become the thing at least in the west i think and and you know and it will be well deserved ultraman has put out some amazing content over the past several years yeah and like um i um i just can't help but laugh every time like a um like think of um the name Juggler's juggler but it's, it's a great name it's a great name it, it's like it's the silliest thing and then you meet the character and you're like okay i'm willing to overlook all of this because he's just so interesting yeah and like um i can't help but notice that like it seemed like around the time of like after the mid-2000s like ultraman was in this like weird rut and they just like started to do like a lot of stuff like Ultraman Zero, for example, and then like then they just started to have new shows and felt like the shows were getting like more budget and getting longer. And like now it feels like they're like back to like a full production in a way. Too. Yeah, and and you know, and just like I'm not that person who knows things about Show Rider yet, I'm also not that person who knows behind the scenes information about Ultraman. Um, but my understanding is that they're that the financial situation around the time that um shows like Ginga were first coming out was just really, really tenuous and they were operating off of a shoestring, but mm-hmm. were able to make something successful enough that they could build off of it. And it's just been getting progressively better ever since. And I'm so glad that they um won whatever lawsuit they were in where like they now own the, the rights internationally to Ultraman. And it's not like sub company that 
never really did own them that's like somehow would be like making money off of it because like even when it was at its worst like Ultraman still had like a level of um name recognition that like a lot of other Toku shows didn't yeah and you know and I still don't really understand what the whole lawsuit situation was about but I'm I'm glad that it uh that it turned out the way that it did yeah and um I had a guess explain it in great detail but I I don't know either <laughs> but there yeah. and um so when I was first reaching out to you I was um like saying like hey over the next couple months we'll have like a couple episodes on Power Rangers um like here's like what's open and, and like immediately um you gravitated to the alien rangers um <laughs> oh my goodness my my unsung underappreciated obscure favorite power rangers team i i've i've loved the alien rangers ever since they first aired you know when i was uh when i was a kid and i think i was like 11 years old or so around the time that that transition on the show happened um I I loved them from the second I set eyes on them. I I just feel like their arrival really opened up the Power Rangers universe and uh and and mm-hmm. made it made it bigger and more exciting in a lot of really interesting ways and just kind of like raised the stakes of what the show was about. Are you like a big fan of like sci-fi stuff? Um yeah, you know, I I've kind of always been raised with star trek there's a lot of star trek fandom within my family so you know i was i was growing up on things like star trek next generation and and i i think that seeing some of that um element of strange new worlds and and space travel and collaboration between alien species was something that i that i grabbed onto and thought was really interesting to see in my power rangers with very little like uh support, but I feel like it's like still like a good point. Like I've been saying that a lot of early Power Rangers, like it gets less as it goes on, but it's still kind of present throughout Mighty Morphin. Actually reminds me a lot of like how they had like some issues I know in like the next generation for like Star Trek about like how they couldn't have interpersonal mm-hmm. conflict. And that's kind of how like a lot of Power Rangers goes, where like they have to be doing something or something else happened to them they can't like act and like that does get better as they go but like it's like especially like pronounced in the first like few episodes where it's like oh they aren't like actively engaging with the world around them they're just like doing like scavenger hunts on atvs they're not like having anxiety about like this or that you know yeah yeah uh at at the very beginning you know it was really really clean in that way and really averse to conflict within the team um with the exception of like a couple of different episodes and of course tommy's arrival um and yeah you know that is something that changed over time and it's interesting to hear you draw the parallel now that i think about it whenever people talk about like their favorite sci-fi like franchise like growing up like i always like there's always like star wars and star trek and then like i'm over here like in that like big ward i'm just like what about stargate <laughs> that was my favorite that- I, I had I had a Stargate phase. Um, the the movie, the first one, not so much the uh, the TV shows that came after it, but but the movie was really cool. Oh, it's so good! I uh, was on a like show. Um, hit me one more time. That was about like re exploring things that like people loved. Um, like since like childhood that, that like they haven't gone back to, and um, it made me start watching the show again. <laughs> and now I'm on like the fourth season and. It's like so 1997, 1998, like 
it's kind of like um it's trying to be star trek but like without the like conceit of there already being hmm. utopia like it's like what if there was star trek but like modern issues and like it's kind of weird like there's like what episode where like they're like oh like this culture is based off of like mongolian like culture and we have to introduce like feminism to them We're like I, that, don't do that please <laughs> less of that more of the weird like the weird aliens that are like asking you what happened to like this mesopotamian like queen and then you find out that she was actually an alien that's what i want yeah it, it's it's interesting when they when they try to do stuff like that and sometimes it comes off really well and sometimes it gets really really cringy and awkward weird curveball but i was um showing my partner um like austin powers like a couple months ago and um i didn't realize how like how big on consent austin powers was how, as how a character. weirdly feminist like, oh. that movie was yeah <laughs> right it's honestly wild i was like wow he like is in this like situation where like he's being offered like to have sex with somebody wants to and like saying no and like having conversations um like between people and i was like oh this is a weird this is such a strange like layer to this movie that i haven't seen since like 2004 yeah and it's definitely not something that like i was at a stage in my life to really have considered when it came out and i was watching it it was just like haha here's the here's the guy with the funny glasses and the teeth and making all sorts of sex jokes because i was young enough to think that sex jokes like that were still funny you know this superficial versus like a different perspective on the material i wonder like what other things have that like um what weird movies like is it like oh like actually like here's how like joe dirt's all about like anti-capitalism or something like i don't know what that would be but, like what other weird movies that like you haven't thought of since like 2006 actually are like really thoughtful about like certain subjects or like really modern i, I do wonder about that yeah i guess there's only one way to find out well like forever like i've wanted to do like some kind of like austin powers rewatch podcast it's just like very in-depth in like a stupid like way this like, like way overanalyze everything i would listen to that what i'm thinking is like it's like a um like one of those podcasts that like it like releases every day it's like a daily <laughs> powers rewatch podcast that's just really funny to me uh but no um before we go over to um look at the money morphin Halen rangers like is there like anything else that um about like you and like toku and like you're like a perspective or? Uh, well you know we are uh, we're talking about alien rangers today and and in addition to um what the arrival of the alien rangers did for the world building of of power rangers and, and of the franchise um it it also was just such a big deal to me as like a tween girl who was a fan of this like boy-centric franchise to see for the first time a team with with a female leader i'm not super up on power rangers currently but that's only happened once since right with like time force yeah yeah i mean like hmm, one and a half to two because there are a couple of times that it that it happened okay. uh briefly and not with the team that was like central to the show um because spd had a team with a female red ranger and then for a for a short oh, yeah, period yeah. of time we had eh, spoilers in case anyone cares um we had a female red ranger on power ranger samurai shin kendron as far as i can tell 
it just kind of did it the same hit thing, a lot right? of the same beats in some slightly different and really interesting ways um i i think that comparing Shinkendra to samurai is, is kind of an interesting exercise to get into because they are so similar but they're also so tonally and culturally different yeah there's a lot of weirdness in how they adapted definitely that. so let's actually um hop over to look at Absolutely. our episodes All right, so this week we looked at Mighty Warfarin Alien Rangers, um, and we looked at four episodes of that in like one episode of Kaku Ranger. And now to start off, we looked at the first two episodes of Alien Rangers, and <laughs> I didn't really understand that this was, it wasn't actually its own show when it started, but it's kind of treated as like season 3.5 of like Power Rangers like now. Yeah, that that was an interesting choice that they uh, that they made, and I think that you know, again, I don't know a whole heck of a lot about what was going on behind the scenes at this point in production, but I think that they were testing the waters to see how the audience would respond to a rebranding and a new team with new suits that weren't like the iconic suits that we'd been watching for three years. Uh, so they so they tried it out. They tried tweaking the theme song a little bit and giving it a new logo and, and seeing what would happen. But yeah, you know, it's it's hard to kind of tell, I think, where season three of Mighty Morphin leaves off and where Alien Rangers begins. And is it really its own show? It's kind of like a mini series. I don't know. Yeah. I think the Alien Rangers deserve their own series, but that's something that's never going to happen. <I mean, part of me wants there to be something like with the current like boom that run. Would be, that would it be would cool. be amazing to see some more lore and some more focus for those characters in the comic. And like, so I like really didn't remember a lot of this period, but it, like, so it, the real answer is probably a mixture of them trying to test the water for like different suits and different team because like they wanted to like potentially not rely on the cast, but also like, like Power Rangers is famously like a non-union production. <laughs> so I know that like pay disputes mm-hmm. get real, like look at um how we lost like, um, Oh uh, yeah, the the peace conference. <laughs> and um Cat, for example, is like if you treat Alien Rangers like it's own series, she's only in like twelve episodes of like season three, like as the Pink Ranger. So like she's like really only in like fourteen episodes, like the new actress. All like a weird thing to be like, oh, that's super late for like the three years, like one hundred and sixty episodes, like that actor's like only in like twenty of them. <laughs> Yeah, and they still had a lot of, uh, they had a lot more continuity from season to season, year to year than Sentai at that point. Um, and, and more so than I think, I, I think that not wanting to rely on the cast was, uh, was part of it. Um, but also, and perhaps more importantly, not wanting to rely on the source material. They had long since run out of source material by that point, and they were like commissioning people in Japan to make more and splicing together suit footage from one sentai yeah. with zord footage from another sentai and it just turned into an entire mess and they were just like this is not sustainable we've got like decades of additional sentai material that we could potentially work with here we just have to wipe the slate clean 
there was one fight scene where um they were getting ready to fight this monster. <laughs> then Ninja just appears on a cloud and says, I'm here too. Then he has the entire fight. Then at the end, there's one shot, like one frame of them hitting the monster with their finisher. <laughs> and there's lots of like, great stuff like that where it's like, oh, you reused this fight scene between like these characters and like we're not supposed to notice, but... Yeah, and and as a kid, you really you really didn't notice. You were so wrapped up in what was going on in the storyline because what was going on in the storyline was something that you had never seen in Power Rangers before, and and a lot of people were super hype about it. Yeah, and um, so this whole arc is like led up to, but basically, Rita's dad, Master Vile, shows up. So the Rangers get new metallic armor <laughs> for two episodes, <laughs> then they get turned into kids. <laughs> Which I love that. I I still I still don't understand that. I mean, I get introducing new suits, but like they also introduced like the ninja form stuff, which partially seemed to me like another way they were trying to like step away from like those same actors. Like, could we just like have stunt people in like a like like in suits and not have to worry about like their faces being out there? So like they tried so many ways to like decouple like the franchise from them, and then like. <laughs> one random episode just time gets reversed and they're all kids and and it's a really strange time reversal too because time both is and isn't reversed question mark i i don't know how like how far the effects of the time reversal are, are supposed to have gone and of course the power rangers memories aren't really affected they just can't morph because they're children now although we had justin a few years later disprove that so <laughs> well the messed up part is um if you notice zordon actually never talks about their well-being because zordon doesn't care what he says is um you guys can't fight because you might get hurt and affect the timeline not you can't fight and get hurt you might get hurt and affect the timeline. And like uh, when Kimberly was like going to do international gymnastics or whatever, there's this line where Zordon says, like, I would never stop you from like pursuing your passions and you'll come back an even better Power Ranger. And I was like, dude, you could finish the sentence. Like, you don't need to keep going about how it affects like your bottom line, essentially. I don't know. Zordon's messed up priorities and his messed up relationship to the Rangers is is something that, you know, that I really hadn't thought about until I became part of like some adult level conversations about what was going on in the show um as part of the fandom and it's it's really really funny to watch some of this stuff when you look at it that way because of course these these kids look up to Zordon. They see him as as a father figure, but he's like this yeah ageless alien being who is separated from reality by a time warp and i think that i i think that their struggles and their mortality doesn't really reach him or resonate with him in a way and it informs a lot of the messed up stuff that he does at least they like amicably like change rangers like there's no like oh you've gotten too old and like if you've and like now that like you're using lipstick like you can't become a power dream or well, Susan kind of thing. Turbo sort of did that. Oh, you graduated from high school? Time to go live your life and we'll get a brand new team. Boot. Yeah, and it like does draw like unfortunate parallels to like real life recruitment of like kids and teens into wars and stuff, which is like that's weird that you could age out of it like that. 
Power Rangers is, is weird and messed up in a lot of ways when you choose to look at it in that way. There's something I think that um, we'll come to in the last set of episodes that is like that. But uh, first, yeah, um, they were at a carnival and time reverses is how this episode starts up, which is a great way to start a new season of like television at a carnival of time reversing. It, it lets you know from the very beginning what you're in for. <laughs> and the Power Rangers all de-age. Um, and I have to say, the like Power Ranger th- that like gets the biggest glow up is probably Rocky. Rocky's kid Rocky looks great. The, like rat tail mullet oh ponytail he's got going on. Oh my god, this is amazing. These kids are all trying their best, honestly. Like, they have a lot being asked of them <laughs> for being kids like this. They have to like still lead the show, <laughs> and uh, and there's um one line where like um the kid playing Haisha says, "Oh no, the abandoned warehouses," <laughs> which it's like, "Oh, you really tried." Uh, but yeah. Um, and the rest of the episode is just like them getting into like kid pratfalls and like follies. Like, oh no, we're in like an alleyway getting attacked, so we have to like drop a a like massive beam on somebody from like a fire escape i I actually enjoyed a lot of that you know like the uh like the ingenuity that these kids have to use to hold their own against grunt villains that they would make short work of in their grown forms but they don't have their grown bodies and they don't have their powers and now they have to get creative in order to in order to win this fight and and I really liked the bit where they get picked up by the police because they're like out in the middle of a disaster area when they're not supposed to be because that's like that's like a thing that would happen like okay no one knows that you're the power rangers by design no one knows that you're the power rangers you just look like children who are aggressively not supposed to be here yeah you're just like some kids that like are all just in, like monocolor outfits that match the Power Rangers. There's a scene where like the four Power Rangers that get like picked up are like wearing police hats and eating ice cream, like just like being like, oh, like we have to save the world, <laughs> but they're still wearing police hats and eating ice cream codes. Yeah, they're just like, like they're so frustrated and sad because they're stuck in this police station and no one believes them and they're treating them like like small children. But it's like, okay, you're gonna treat me like a kid. Fine, I guess I have to act like a little kid, so I'll wear the stupid hat and I'm going to eat my ice cream and I'm going to enjoy my ice cream, but I'm still sad that I'm not getting to kick ass and save the world right now. It's almost like in like fiction when somebody like gets like bit by a werewolf and they're just like, oh no, I'm turning into like a werewolf like as they're eating like a bloody steak. It's just like, oh, like like the kid is still in them. They're still feeling the kid compulsions. <laughs> yeah. Even as- and, and really like we we separate kids from adults but they are still kids they're they're teenagers they're intended to be teenagers so this is only really like a few years in their past for them it's shown like a few times like being power rangers like has like matured them a lot too so and i love how they get out of the police station is that toby and cat do two kids in the jacket <laughs> in the most jerry-wigged way i've ever seen this is like amazing that was just so so incredibly ridiculous and i love the way that they worked around the fact that even the canonically stupid adult population of angel grove uh would would get wise to this if not if not for billy hiding the guy's glasses this is worse than like um in little rascals when the same thing happens where there's like three kids and like they're like pretending they're like businessmen and stuff so like it's just wouldn't even pass muster and then they just go and they have to like 
walk through the California tundra, I guess, like during a hurricane or something, is what it gets treated like. Before Alpha and Zordon find out they were vacuuming, and that's why they can't find the Power Rangers. I I really don't. (laughs) With that part, you know, it's like, okay, it's very, very obvious what you're doing in terms of, like, plot for the sake of plot right here. Vacuuming the command center? Why does the command center need to be vacuumed? You know, you have a sentient robot. How come you don't have a Roomba? Where does the dust come from? Well, I mean, they are in the middle of the desert. If you're just like a seal chamber. I guess so. And they have that massive chimney, I guess, so that's where the dust comes from. Is it a chimney? I Well, here's the thing. In one episode, they're flying their flying car and they fly in the hole. That's true, they do. I don't know. And and they do teleport out of the hole, it seems, sometimes, too. Maybe it's like a telescope and we just don't see the glass? I don't know. I, I don't know either. It's space I'm, magic. I'm sure that Billy knows what the function of it is, but the rest of us don't. It's just there to look cool. Yeah. And because they just wanted to film like an actual, like it's like a part of a a like college campus in California, I think too. The library, okay. So I I don't actually know what the function is in the library. I guess it's just like to bring in light from the top. Uh, Yeah, you know, I I don't know. I would have to I would have to ask somebody who has actually been inside that building what the presence of that thing is for and what it does to the interior of the building. Do they reference it in the building? Because I think you kind of have to reference it. Like maybe they have like a cardboard cutout of like the Power Rangers behind some glass somewhere, maybe. Uh, you know, I, I also don't know that they do. Um, it's it's been seen in in a bunch of other media that isn't Power Rangers. Um, I've spotted it in Star Trek. I've spotted it in uh, <laughs> dating myself here in a Marilyn Manson music video. You see the building in the background. And and of course, when you're like looking at it from the lens of uh, Power Rangers fandom, it's like, LOL, there's the command center. Here's Marilyn Manson dancing in front of the command center. <laughs> Here's Data hanging out in front of the command center. But I, I don't know how much attention um, they pay to the media significance of the building or if it's just kind of like a sigh and eye roll yeah we're academia and we take ourselves really seriously but we have this cool building and sometimes people pay us to shoot sci-fi in front of it yeah you'd think there'd be like some kind of like display that's like how you do like some trophies for like a high school like one of those maybe of like here's when like all these different teams like um Marilyn Manson and like data with lots of attitude were like in front of our building i don't know uh it must be weird for like the people who would know that that aren't prepared for it when they're like, oh, I'm visiting my cousin at college. And like, oh, what's that? Why's that there? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know what the building's purpose was in real life until until much, much later. Um, and now one of the things that you can do when you go to Power Morphicon is um, is a couple of times they've had tours to some of the filming locations and they and they take you over there and people can do like cosplay photo shoots in front of it and stuff well that's cool actually like one small thing that they do in this like first episode i wish they would do more that like lends to your point about like how this series like expanded the franchise and i think that's they reference like can we get the master rider like decks out here and help us out and they can't for some reason (laughs) but that's always fun i know that like in the new comics too, like they reference the Mass Rider, but they like can't use the costume or the characters, I guess, because too much copyright. Yeah. Um. Then there's a bomb outside the command center. 
there is a bomb outside the command center and they they never actually call it a bomb because you're not allowed to have bombs on a children's show. It's an implosion device. Which is also a weird cop out too. It's like, okay, it's implosion, not explosion. They're gonna destroy it, but so Alpha has to go get it. <laughs> Which like makes sense, but he says something like, I can always be replaced by Alpha Six. I think Aisha again is like, oh, we love you, Alpha. And Alpha doesn't respond and then like waits till they leave and is like, I love you too. Robots on this show and their weird relationship to human emotions. Alpha is a strange character. Like, uh, we had to, there were lots of arcs where I was like, oh, we'll totally check in on this arc. And I was like, wait, wait, that's five episodes about what I thought was one episode. That's too many. I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do, because like, this is already part 10 of our part 11 Power Ranger <laughs> revisit. I can't indulge much more than this. I guess in the wedding episode where Rita comes back, they make Alpha like paranoid and like resent the Power Rangers. And that's what the Rangers are doing while Rita and Zed get married. It's like deal with Alpha's resentment. <laughs> yeah, they, um, oh, they, they reprogrammed him or gave him a virus or, or something. Um, that's, that's happened a couple of times, but at one point he was being like really rude to Zordon and telling him what a crappy boss he was and like drawing a mustache on him with lasers on the tube. And I can't remember if that was the wedding or if that was one of the other times that that happened, because it's all just kind of a blur in my mind right now. But it, it just seems like bad things happen to Alpha when he goes outdoors. Hard to know, because like, yeah, Alpha does mess up a lot and like there's multiple episodes like just in what we've seen where like alpha tries to hang out with the power they're like yeah sorry alpha we gotta go like there's like my favorite monster growing up was um like pudgy pig oh yeah in that episode alpha like shows up with, like a plate full of sandwiches hey rangers can i help with the like the food fest and they're like sorry alpha and then he just like oh he's just sad and the scene ends and i was like well, that's weird you think they wouldn't just leave this character sad and alone the end of every scene but yeah and and then you and then you have this scene here in uh in alien rangers that kind of like brings it full circle where you know it shows how the relationships have grown and the team really values alpha but also he's still treated as like this this disposable object that yeah you're you're the one who's going to go out and face the danger because the power rangers are children and zordon has no thumbs <laughs> and if you get blown up there can always be an alpha six um but but, like, there's love and there's care for this character, and you don't want to see him in danger either. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, um, like, I would love for, like, something to explore this more. And I'm sure, like, there's been, like, a little bit in the comics. Like, I know that, like, they show up with, like, a, another alpha that lets that resentment, like, control him and that kind of stuff. And that's cool. Um, they do their best with the Alien Rangers. And honestly, I think that the actors for the, for the Alien Rangers also do their best. Like, I see the effort whenever I Delphine um the mm -hmm. white alien ranger whenever she announces it's morphing time she's trying so hard like through like massive prosthetics covering half of her face and a massive like vocal shifter to make her sound underwater she like there's a lot of like energy in when she announces like the morph though like she's definitely trying yeah and uh and and based on what I've heard from the actors um when they do panels and they talk about the the production process in Power Morphicon um it it seems like script wise they they really didn't have a whole heck of a lot to go on so a lot of what you see that makes the alien rangers what they are 
uh, the the mannerisms and like the hand gestures and the head tilts and the accent is is stuff that was generated by the actors themselves to make the aliens feel more alien, which I think is a, mm-hmm. is a really cool thing. It's so weird because I feel like they aren't being put in place to even like be the new Power Rangers directly. Like most of the time, all they're dealing with is like their access to water. So like they're not even given like plots really of like, oh, this alien ranger like is like feeling really down because um of this. It's much more just like the Power Rangers are doing stuff and the alien rangers are fighting, but they still manage to have like a good amount of personality and like they kind of get like treated like not important in like the in the coming seasons but like they do a lot with a little yeah there there was there was not a lot of space for focus episodes and character development the way that we would see and expect for a new power rangers team um they they were just kind of treated as as less and as secondary focus in a way um, but they still managed to, you know, have their own personalities. And and this is why I really would like to see more presence, like in the comic books or, or in like their own miniseries, something like that, with more lore about them and more focus for each character, more development for each character. Um, an origin story would be cool. Where'd they get their powers? <laughs> yeah, it's cool how it kind of mirrors how like the same thing was true of the original power rangers team like at the start of that show where like they didn't have time to like be characters or have like personalities or and they just kind of made it work in their one color outfits and like their archetypes yeah and and then the actual character development came later as uh as they actually had more time to to focus in on each character but the alien rangers never got that because they had a span of 10 episodes to play with at one point, like, I know there, like, were plans for, like, the Ninja Storm season to be, like, a weird retrospective season that was, like, what if there was another branch of government based off of Power Rangers? Oh, Hexagon. <laughs> Hexagon. Which I love that idea. I think it's really, I think it's interesting. <laughs> Not always in the best ways, but I just love that that was something that, that was a treatment at one point. I get why they went where they did with, like, Ninja Storm, though. Yeah, yeah, it's something that uh, that never quite got off the ground in uh, in that way. But we do still see like officially sanctioned Power Rangers elsewhere in the franchise with some sort of government ties. I just um, <laughs> I kind of just like want to see like um, them go even weirder with it. And like outside of like the main teams, like I do just want to see like I like didn't get too into Hyperforce, for example. Like I would love to see like more like that that's just here is another corner where like exploring like maybe like here's the rangers that are being trained by the alien rangers or like something you know yeah you you opened up this whole entire universe with alien rangers being the first step but then further with um with zeo and with power rangers in space and with lost galaxy and with spd and then you don't like do much more with it besides that it's like okay well this is a situation that calls for an alien planet or this is a situation that calls for an alien character so let's introduce a new planet and let's introduce a new species of aliens and then never do anything with it again and i love how in lost galaxy they have like the uniforms from like starship (laughs) troopers that is great I i still wonder about that and like how that came to be I know there's like something else, like another show or movie that also used those same uniforms. So they just must have been around. It was like, well, we don't have Paul Verhoeven again. So 
let's sure. do Power Rangers. There ha- have been worse choices done. There, there certainly have. Uh, and I love how um, when we see like the Alien Rangers, they're in like one miniature that kind of just looks like it's in like a fish tank. And then they turn into DNA and fly across space. Yeah, the uh, the teleportation shapes were were really interesting. Like the the pod structure, kind of like a molecular looking thing. I I don't even know. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Not DNA. Yeah, because like just like there's a point where franchises become like long enough or big enough where like stuff gets standardized. Where like nowadays they might just like do a normal teleport but i like how they had to give them like a weird one they they really went out of their way i think to make the alien rangers different from the power rangers that we're used to so the suits are different and the teleportation is different and the zords are controlled differently it's like it it kind of like drives the point home with these uh with these visuals that these are not the rangers that we're used to and these are rangers from another world where things work differently. And it's uh, just um very convenient that their battle borgs look just like the shogun swords and it's never explained. Like I like I love small things like that where it's like, oh yeah, we forgot to like or like we couldn't separate things out. So like when they show it's basically just like a bunch of monsters are back and <laughs> we're gonna fight them and that's like all they get really is like one scene for the rangers then like i i i wondered a lot about the battle borgs and their relationship to the shogun zords when i was a kid and i i guess that in some piece of lore somewhere there is a tie between the equation team and ninjor question mark but it's never explicitly stated on screen and they're from the same Sentai series, and they never interact, too. It's, it's incredibly weird. But, of course, also, we, we messed with time, so technically Ninjor hasn't been released yet. So I don't, I don't know why they didn't just go back and release him again. They sure could have used him. There wasn't time. We were busy. He was in the desert. We need water. <laughs> I don't know. There is that. See, this is what we as fans do. We're like, oh, yeah, he's in the desert of despair. They need water, so they couldn't get him. It's it's always interesting to like try to find the Watsonian explanations for things that are clearly just plot holes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love a good explanation like uh, where like it doesn't actually they just didn't think of it. It's just like lucky that that's like a property of like a black hole or whatever. And that's why that happened. Or I don't know what that kind of stuff. They got lucky. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what I wanted to do is kind of uh, compare these two episodes to roughly with the footage what they adapted which is episode 12 mm-hmm. of kaku ranger which is a uh, they came forth the newbie generals now kaku ranger is a great sentai it's awesome um <laughs> it's different from both season three of power rangers and alien rangers like, even though like the costumes like the mechs are being like used throughout it but um <laughs> yeah just um you probably owe it to yourself to watch some kaku ranger or like really most mid 80s to like early 2000s like Sentai because they without exception I'm pretty sure are all pretty good. I I very recently watched Kaku Ranger for the first time so I've I've finished it and it was it was in no way shape or form anything that I would have expected it to be because it was just absolutely 
delightfully and shamelessly bonkers, but also surprisingly emotional and intense in some places. Like you, you don't often see, I think, that that kind of emotional intensity in what is usually a comedic sentai. Yeah, it has one of my favorite tropes, I guess, or just like house I tropes, like recurring elements of like Toku is like when the opening song is just like the singer being like, I'm finally alone with this girl. And then like ninjas <laughs> appeared. <laughs> the theme song. And there's a bunch of songs like that. I, and I, I love I love the opening theme song for that reason. And I love the ending theme song because it's just the most 1990s thing that ever that ever existed. Yeah. And like, it's just like this nice tone piece about the characters and like them doing stuff. And like, it feels like the end of like a slice of life, like major, like romance, like anime, not like a action show. Uh, but yeah, um, I will always love. I think like um like um like there's like a couple Ultraman songs like that are also like that where it's like oh yeah baby we're finally alone what's that <laughs> it's kaiju <laughs> and like I kind of wish like more more modern musicians would do that and, and when you think about it from an from an in universe perspective that's probably a thing that happens all the time oh how was your date on saturday night yeah. oh it was going really well and then all of a sudden it got interrupted by a monster attack and <laughs> an ultraman showed up and it was kind of cool but i was also disappointed because my outfit got ruined by all the flying debris <laughs> like people like hate on bands like nickelback but like what if it was like Oh, I'm driving in the car. Gonna have some sex. Oh, what's that? It's Baltan. I don't know. It's like a giant. That would be great. That would be perfect. I would love that. There, there should be more of that. I'm, I'm, I'm adopting that as a favorite trope as well. Yeah, it's just like um, making out. Oh no, Toku. We were, we were walking through the park hand in hand. Oh no, it's the Putty Patrol. We were in a swan boat. I got down on one knee, even though there was some water in the boat. Oh no, what's that? <laughs> it's the science patrol. They're trying to find a goo monster, but I tried to tell you I loved you. I got down on one knee in the swan boat, and then the alien rangers showed up to rehydrate. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to reiterate the seven ways I love you, but then there were some aliens looking from above you. They were trying to rehydrate. Yeah, just like weird. I'm not sure why they all become like weird, but yeah, uh, just it's great. I love that the song is just like Cocker Ranger. We are making out. Oh, what's that? A ninja can't be beat. Uh, and that's kind of actually true to the plot of Cocker Ranger and like a lot of like 90 Sentai too. It's just like kids are doing something, monsters appear, then like a bus full of like well dressed superheroes show up. And they have to like go save the kids, which I love is just like a conceit. I, I would I would really argue describing Kaku Ranger as well dressed. Well, okay. Um as a bunch of teen serving looks. They are they are definitely serving looks, yes. Sasuke's the Red Ranger, right? Yep. He's always in like some amount more than he needs to be of like flannel and denim and do-rag. He is Wearing at least three layers worth of shirts at any given point in any given episode. Yeah, it's just perfect. Uh, it is. You can't do any better than that. 
Sometimes he's wearing shorts over other shorts. Sometimes he's wearing shorts over leggings. I loved it. Like sometimes, like the Black Ranger, uh, mm-hmm. Jiraiya, um, he will just like be in a cowboy hat. <laughs> Not the first or last time they do that. They're like, "What if a ninja was from America?" Just work out why if a ninja is from America, then clearly he is not only a ninja, he is also a cowboy. That that is a thing that must occur. And loves hamburgers. And speaks random English. Yeah, which honestly, like, it's one of those things where if you reverse it and you're like, well, how come like in a lot of English media, like there would be characters like randomly speaking Spanish when they don't need to? It's just a <laughs> it's a common trope between media, I guess, mm-hmm. that like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we heard you speak another language here, even though it makes no sense and no yeah. one ever does that. Yeah. French for no reason is a big Sentai trope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The important thing here is that, like, they are just trying to save these kids and then there's, like, a new yokai that um, could bring back some old ones. They have to fight them, but they're getting, like, really badly beat up. Uh, when they just randomly are like, we have a secret technique and we can make some versions of our main mechs that don't combine and are more agile here. They just beat the crap out of them. And like, I like how Cocker Ranger is just like very much like, yeah, we're just going around trying to find these yokai and we're doing stuff and we're learning new ninja stuff. We're trying to save the kids. Um, very simple, but it's like very heartfelt. And like, I think like the characters do a lot to just like propel that forward. They, they sell it. They're, they're extremely endearing. All of them. Yeah, I kind of wish, like, we'd gotten, like, a proper show out of this. Like, if they just, like, even if they kept, like, Tommy and Billy and, like, Kimberly and, like, just, like, been like, hey, here's the cat bus. Go explore and, like, save kids. Like, I would love if, like, that could actually happen in, like, an American show. Like, not just, like, oh, we're defending the city. Or, like, I like that there's not, like, a super huge plot (laughs) besides, like, the general we're fighting to steal these people. Yeah, it's like, let's just wander around and be hobos that live in a food truck that is also a cat and save the world. Yeah, and that is all you need sometimes. Like, you're thinking too much, I think. If you're a. Sometimes all you need is a character who cares what happens to kids and to put kids in danger. Yep. And, and Cocker Ranger is a show that you don't have to think very deeply about most of the time, and I'm very grateful to it for that, because sometimes you just need to switch your brain off and enjoy some toku. Yeah, and there are there's nothing better than like a good ninja right after making out with somebody than like that like perfect ninja just appears and you can watch them. N- nice romantic show to watch with your partner, you know? Yeah, just sometimes I'm with the boys and popping up with a cold one. And then what's that? It's Garo. <laughs> Having a fight. Some say I'm crazy. It takes me 99.9 seconds to drink this beer. But I'm just watching Garo. <laughs> I don't know. Um, to the listeners, I had a day before this started, so I'm just kind of letting it all hang out, and I just kick it over this... I, I, I don't discount my uh, my bad influence either, because it seems like whenever I'm around, shows just go completely off the rails. I don't know. I bring chaos energy, apparently. That's completely fine. Um, we would not be having guests if we didn't want different shows to come out of it. But uh, So back <laughs> to Power Rangers. Um, we come to the last two episodes of Power Rangers. Um, and so Aisha has to go to Africa. 
after a new theme song hits, uh, and she almost gets killed by a plague-ridden lion. And so we haven't seen a lot of the Zeo Crystal quest, but basically it's a crystal that goes throughout time and place, and the rangers have to like return to like places that have like ancestral connections to them. And we kind of in the last episode, um, between um me and um Ashley from Rangers Plane referred to it as like a bit of like a racism quest just like <laughs> here a lot of like high key cultural stereotypes mm-hmm. and i'm glad they saved the worst for last <laughs> here well i guess you could maybe make the case of like um really all of them i guess because like the part where tommy gets revealed to be native american <laughs> i really just i can't get over it how much of like a parody oh and then they double down on it in zeo and it gets even worse because like his falcon spirit from being a ninja leads him on a vision yeah quest, because right? ninjas have everything to do with native american culture i mean there's that one three ninjas movie where they stop a land developer from going out there and destroying a nature reservation or whatever i don't know that's the only other relationship between like ninjas and like native american and, like culture that i could think of but yeah um they it was it was cringy they just kind of go on this quest cringy cringy quest yeah to find the MacGuffin that will let them be power rangers again and restore time so that it's not messed up anymore yeah and um there's one scene where like you just see shadows of them running across the horizon that's completely still as they're breathlessly saying oh it's, oh, it's almost night we gotta hurry and it's just like interspersed between like action scenes and it's just bizarre uh and like the pin in it is that she fu- that Haisha finds out her great aunt lives in this village um and has her zeo crystal <laughs> cuz there's a plague hurting the animals and she used to volunteer at a vet she decides that um she's going to give the crystal to this girl she just met Tanya whose parents are missing and has been taken in by this local tribe or like I'm not sure how they're described now that like I'm saying it, but like it's just kind of like local in this village. Uh and she and then they're like, okay, Tanya can go. And I just <laughs> the optics of just like swapping black female characters isn't great to begin with. But like going to back in time to Africa to do it definitely adds to that. It it was it was a really thin method of covering an actress departure. In a show that is known for extremely thin methods of covering actor departures. They changed the timeline so that somebody was there all along. I'm not sure, but it just kind of works out. Um, and like, I I like both Aisha and Tanya. Growing up, I think I was very confused. Like, I might not have seen the episodes. Like, wait, wait a second. That's not the same person, right? Like, they're calling her something else. Like, did I miss something? When did these characters change out? Because it's not like it's a, like an arc like there's an arc for like the other departures and like swaps that isn't present for this just like it just kind of happens and and they try to they really try to stick a lot of plot into alien rangers because we have the new villain and we have new rangers and we have the command center in existential peril and we have to find the zero crystal and we have to get new powers and we have to fix time and and that's a lot that's a lot and it just kind yeah. of like turns into a very fast paced and confusing expository dump sometimes 
Yeah, because uh, like the whole time that like this is happening, like Rito and Goldar are like planning an implosion device underneath the command center next to like a box of like an old alpha and stuff. And it's just like they're they're getting lost underneath the command center trying to find the place to to plant this bomb and and it's like how do Zordon and Alpha not know they're there? Like, you guys have a sensor system. Did you not wire up the basement? That seems like a design flaw. Or maybe they only did that, like, eight years ago, and now it's back. I don't and know. They do, they do important things in their basement. The power chamber is in the basement. They made the White Ranger in the basement. They should have security in the basement, but they apparently don't, because you can just, like, have two bumbling villains wander around for several episodes down there and nobody notices. It's not even, like, the A plot at all that they're destroying the command center. It just kind of, like, comes up. Like, almost like a Bulk and Skull kind of thing, which, like, cool. I like I like Goldar and, like, Rito fine, but, like, the main plot is that they <laughs> Zed has to send a decoy message in order to send an actual message to Hydro Hog, who's, like, the Alien Ranger's, like, arch nemesis, who's this like frog guy who can eat water or like take in water from like around the world and stuff and they have to fight him and it's a whole situation i i remember pretty vividly when i was watching kaku ranger and that suit showed up and and i panicked because i thought it was going to be an enormous deal because in power rangers hydro hog was an enormous deal the alien rangers were terrified of him he was an existential threat to them but he was just like a monster of the week in Copy Ranger. He was he was not that difficult to get rid of. So I, while I was watching, I was like, okay, he's like not pig themed at all. Why is he called a hog? And it's like, oh, like hogging the water. And like that took me longer than it should have, honestly, to understand that. And they get like beat real bad the whole time. Like he beats them twice. He like beats like the Shogun Zord and then takes multiple like pools and lakes and stuff. And then eventually, like, they beat him because the Falcon Zord shows up. <laughs> Falcon Zord ex machina. In, like, two scenes. And it's pretty easy. Yeah. Which, cool. Um, and Billy has, like, a little Falcon Zord, like, toy that lets him control it. So, like, he can go out and it's fun. But uh, I just like how, like, there's... Doesn't seem like there's an A plot. It seems like there's a bunch of plots that don't super matter. Like... The Hydro Hog is like stealing water, and the alien rangers need to be dehydrated because I guess like the command center has an earthquake readiness kit, which seems very weird that it's specifically that like it's like space magic. Are earthquakes an issue? <laughs> I mean, they are theoretically in California, so I guess. Um, the same time that Aisha is like getting her crystal is when they're able to rehydrate the rangers and the bombs getting ready to go off, but. Yeah, um, the Alien Rangers win, they go off to rehydrate, and we just, like, then get the Rangers in the main team turned back to adults, or, like, teens. And yeah, um, I feel like Tanya's such a weird character, because there's so much put on her, I think, too. Mm, yeah. When I first, like, saw her as an adult, I was like, she kind of just, like, made me think, like, okay, there's a lot going on here. Because, like, I think I wrote down, like, she kind of looks like the poster child for like respectability politics just she has like some elements of like a 50s housewife but also like of like a bad stage productions view of like what africa is and like it's just like there's a lot of effort being put into like how she's like first presented i was like this is like a loaded image I, and yeah um she's 
she and like cat like both have the issue that like they are new so they get a lot of plot thrown at them and a lot of things that they're good at and like a lot of like stuff like you know like cat like randomly changes like um police dogs at some point but like that's not really how you make a character interesting you can't just have them have things happen to them or like do stuff like you have to actually just like let them breathe a little bit and i feel like with tanya that maybe doesn't happen as much as it should yeah you know i i think that um they they were trying to do so much in the wrap-up of mighty morphin power rangers that the character development really got sidetracked in a lot of ways um but they did they did a much better job with both of those characters and giving them some space to like breathe and be actual people without having the entire plot forced on them at the same time in Zeo. Tanya especially. Zeo was very good to her. Yeah, because I like remember liking her character a lot. And um she basically shows up at the tail end after they've already lost like the Mighty Morphin power. Um and yeah, um there's one scene where the Rangers talked to the alien rangers and then Despite the fact that the Rangers have no powers, the the alien Rangers go home, and then we see the base get imploded. <laughs> the destruction of the command center, like that, was emotionally traumatic for me as a child, especially like seeing my big favorite trying desperately to stop the explosion from happening and still like ostensibly be inside the building when it blows up my heart stopped for a whole minute and then he was just like lying unconscious on the ground i'm like oh no oh no oh no please please bear in mind that i was 11 (laughs) i did not yet have the wherewithal to recognize that this show would not kill a character like that because next week it would just be like stronger than before go zeo you're like oh what's this what's going on they got new powers or like a new base or something because like i know that that opening two-parter is like does a lot to reestablish the show and like make new toys and like new locations and sets, which is cool. If if memory is serving me correctly, there was a uh, there was a hiatus. So Mighty Morphin ended on a cliffhanger, oh. and then there was a big, very dramatic ad campaign for the changes to the series, and 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 like the fandom ate it up with a spoon. Like we were bonkers over what's going to happen, what's going to happen. They had like shorts after episodes or like between stuff, and that's what was it. That's cool that like they kept the momentum because like I feel like the first change is going to be a big one. They're like, oh, this entirely new. Yeah, they were they were not going to let us forget for a second what was going on. I don't remember much about Billy and Zio, but like I always didn't like stop being a ranger. It it was it was sad, and it it led to some really good character development for him. And then also some really bad character development for him. And then the actor left the show in in an incredibly cringy, face palmy way. I always got the impression that like that stuff, like the backstage, like homophobia and like bullying was happening at the same time as like his role was changing. And like that kind of seemed like part of it. Yeah, my my understanding is that it was it was something that was already going on, but things kind of came to a head and and his mental health was deteriorating and he just couldn't stay on the show any longer. And hey, it's good that if that was the case, even if I would rather like the source of the issues not be present, I'm glad at least he wasn't like doing four backflips and like as he's like walking through like a like park every day, like compared to like 
what they were doing with lots of like stunts. Um, that's good for him at least. Uh, and yeah, they make sure to like when Rocky gets transformed back to an adult, they get one more like he hits his head too, so it's like one more just uh knock at Rocky like not being like as cool as like a Red Ranger should be. And, and and then he gets to not be the Red Ranger anymore, which I think was a uh, was also a great thing to happen to that character because then he didn't have that kind of expectation placed on him. Yeah, like I always felt like he always got the short end of that stick just because like Tommy and Jason were like such a pairing, and like I don't like mean romantically when I say that, but also yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, like Jason did kind of seem like the only person who could like counterbalance like Tommy's popularity. I do appreciate that of all the bloopers I've seen, the bloopers for the last episode of Alien Rangers is the only one that seems to be full of bleeped out like curses too. It, that would not surprise me in in the least. I mean, I, I can't imagine what it was like to film this thing. Yeah, because there's just so much pressure and all and like not just like Delphine, but like a lot of the Alien Rangers like are doing a lot with so little. And like it like can't be stated. Like how before, like I um on the show, like I've mentioned, like, oh yeah, like the actors for like the main rangers might not be great actors, but also they're doing their own stunts for like these massive, like brawling, like weird fight scenes, like where they're expected to do like multiple flips and like it's just um to see what people are doing in these like weird situations is like always cool. So that is the end of Warfare <laughs> Power Rangers. Uh they fight a frog and their base gets destroyed as they say goodbye to some, some aliens that uh, need water. Uh, you, you could say that Mighty Morphin Power Rangers ended with a, bl- with a bang. Yeah, it did. Uh, the thrilling conclusion to uh, why on the planet that was 70% water did these aliens have trouble staying hydrated? That arc, that really important arc. Uh, but no, um, what a weird show. Um, we're circling back around in the future to do an episode on like the things we miss like here's like a the halloween episode here's the episode where um the whole team gets turned into footballs and that kind of stuff <laughs> so that'll be fun but yeah um it's so weird to look at something from your childhood that you haven't seen it's like i'm not really like that in touch with like a lot of the old shows like i mostly watch like the modernish stuff and like even then like not a lot of power rangers like probably after rpm like i've like sampled like an episode or two of each like season and then not really like gotten into it like as much as like a lot of people but what a weird show and in like three short years this went from being nothing to like a media empire that like had to continue that like still gets talked about and like it's strange seeing the weird way it ends and just to think that this is like a height that they never really reach again like of like recognition or like of like importance yeah and you know i i think that uh that power rangers definitely like hit its peak of social relevance during mighty Morphin and hasn't and and hasn't gotten back to that since to be sure um and there are people in the fandom who like to argue to death over over why that is and how we can make it happen again. But, you know, to a certain extent, you can't, you can't recreate the, uh, the zeitgeist of that moment. You can't capture lightning in a bottle and, and the transition from Mighty Morphin to Alien Rangers to Zeo is the thing that has allowed Power Rangers to have some longevity. 
the fact that this show is still on the air 20 years after the fact and reinventing itself in the way that Sentai does, you know, and, and just coming up with new iteration after new iteration, yeah. that wouldn't have been possible if they hadn't taken the leap of faith that they did during its popular time. And think of the 90s. Like, there were so many shows that were about um, a multicultural group of kids who get together with some kind of combined mission. So, like, there's just a certain zeitgeist that Power was a part of. And, like, you can't ever be, like, the first or first in a long time live action action show for kids. Like, Power Rangers can never be that again because Power Rangers exist. Like, you can't capture that cultural moment and, like, break that ground again. That doesn't mean, like, you're a, like, failure for, like, continuing with, like, lesser relevance either. Yeah, I mean, the fact that it exists at all is is a miracle in and of itself. Like, I, as somebody who's been a fan of the series since the beginning, I can't believe that Power Rangers is still alive and kicking and actively producing new episodes. I really want to see what happens with Hasbro, too, because, like, I know there's, like, lots of, like, weird toy right stuff and the comics are ongoing. Like, I think it's, like, a very interesting point because there is actually, um, between, like, the like we were able to legally watch sentai that's kind of a big deal if like you've been in the fandom for a while like you're like oh i can just legally watch a sentai show Uh, yeah the the fact that you can just like pull up and stream kaku ranger is is great yeah and um so like you could legally watch like the source material there's like um different games like there's like an active fighting game community off of um battle for the grid there's active comics that are like actually pitched towards like the adult fan. Um, they're they're crossing over with the Justice League. Like, yeah, they're not like that height anymore. And I wish they would do stuff outside of the Mighty Morphin team. But Power Rangers is like a success and like varied in a way that it like even like a few years ago wasn't. So it's a good time to be a fan and like to look back on the very weird and humble beginnings. Because like the first episode of them just being at the juice bar and getting summoned by this like random alien to fight evil to now <laughs> they're, they're turning back into adults after going to their ancestral past uh, and thanking some ninja aliens for helping them. I, I think that Toku in general is at its best when it embraces its own weirdness and and Alien Rangers is like a high watermark for that in American Toku. It's just shamelessly strange, and and I love it for that. It's good that it is, like, getting out there more, because, like, what went from, like, it not being something people were ready for to, like, the popularity of, like, anime to, like, now, like, I really do see, like, a place where, like, you can less abashedly, like, five, ten years ago, like, probably would have gotten some scorn for being, like, a fan. Like, now it's, like, much less of an issue, I feel like. And and it's still I, I think that some folks in the fandom would argue that it still is considered, you know, childish or corny or not cool to like in a way that uh, that other 90s properties are not. But, you know, why, why are we in fandom if we care what other people think? We're here to enjoy the things that we enjoy with like minded people. Anyone wants to hate on you for what you enjoy. Their opinions don't matter. Live your life. Yeah, uh, just you don't have to be able to defend or like have mass market appeal of everything that you uh enjoy you could just be like oh, i enjoy this i don't know why or it's not sensical or it's not the, 
like the most cool. That's a bad way to be. And like uh, the whole point of um, like talking about like to talk critically about this stuff is also to like parse and say you could also enjoy something uncritically or like with criticism. Like absolutely, yes, yes. And yeah, um, if you want to see perhaps a masterclass in saying this is dumb and I love it. Um, where can they follow you on Twitter? Uh, my, myself personally, um, I am at Pocky Squirrel on Twitter and uh, the podcast can be found. Um, it's Tokuladies underscore pod at Twitter. Um, and and you can find, you know, the show itself and, and the rest of our social media through that. That's probably the easiest way to go about it. I don't want to ask too hard a question, but how when should people expect new episodes uh we we have an episode in the can right now and it's in an editing process but we also generated three hours worth of raw material while we were um while we were recording it uh it focuses on having a healthy relationship with fandom as a community and and setting boundaries for yourself as a fan, promoting your mental health within the context of fandom. Um, so it's it's a topic that's near and dear to our hearts with a lot of the absolute garbage that's going on in the wider world and in the fandom community. Um, so hopefully pretty soon, but we're, we're, we're not regular with our content in any way, shape, or form. So if you're looking for that, then I would listen to Common Ride with me instead. <laughs> Um, is there an episode that you would say is like a good first one or like a good, um, jumping on point, like maybe for like in general or like for Power Rangers or something like that? Or Oh my goodness. Um, I, I'm really having to like search my brain with the content here and I might actually have to, um, I might have to cheat. Hang on. You can edit this out while I'm looking. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll like, uh, smooth out some of our delay. It'll be fine. Uh, so the uh, the retrospective that we did on the Heisei era of uh, of Common Rider episode thirty six was uh, was a lot of of fun and and I think a lot of fun if you're if you're new to Common Rider and you're looking for a place to um to start off uh, but also if you have some experience in the franchise and you're just looking for um. For for just the four of us going absolutely bonkers about about Common Rider and uh and our enjoyment of it. Um in, in terms of an episode that I think is representative of what Tokyo Ladies Podcast is, uh episode 20, which has to do with weirdly sexualized imagery in Toku, um was was just us being being absolutely bonkers, but also, you know, reflecting on on what the tendency to sexualize villains and bee monsters and give them boobs, even though bees do not have boobs because they're not mammals, question mark, and things of that nature. What what that says about like how the production of these series views women and and issues of feminism, um, but also just like us being really silly and giggling like twelve year olds because the bee has boobs. Well, it's because it's a like scary bee, right? Yes, yes, but also a a scary bee, but also a sexy bee. I I don't know. This happens multiple times, and it's weird. It's weird. I, yeah, definitely the like weird way that they'll have like bee fur too to make it like a a like bee that's into burlesque or something. That that's something I could like 
once you said it, I was like, yeah, that, that's true. Uh, there, there was an episode um, that, that weirdly enough got a- adapted, and I was surprised by this, into an episode of Power Rangers that had like a dominatrix bee that was enslaving men. I don't know. It's, it's strange. L- listen to the episode. It's a good time. Yeah. It, uh, if you want to hear some more, come ride with me. Um, we are kind of um, about to actually embark on a kind of soft relaunch because in um, one month's time, we have finished with Copyright Zero One. We'll have finished with our Power episodes. We'll be back to um, a whole new show in Copyright Saber, which is a completely like fresh start. So um, that's if you want to be able to follow along and like and supplement like you're watching. Um, that will start there. And like um, compared to when we started, we'll make a much better effort to clearly label. <laughs> where where and what we're looking at as well but no um you can find me um on twitter.com at james forge the podcast at come right to me come right to me.com and send in emails to podcast at come right to me.com we're kind of getting close to enough for another question episode which would be fun so get those in and uh yeah so we end our show by having a piece of advice um it can be advice or it can be bad advice. So we've had like watch Common Rider um, and uh, don't commit incest. It could be watch Power Rangers and Jaywalk. So just kind of based off what we've seen today, is there anything that you'd like to advocate um, that somebody should do? Or uh, in a non-legally binding way, advocate they should do that they shouldn't? Uh Watch Mighty Morphin Alien Rangers and stay hydrated. There you go. Thank you so much for coming on. (laughs) Glad to be here. It was a lot of fun.